Good morning, and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Amy Shepard, and I'm here with my co-host, Julie Dye. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510K Cafe. We interview medical technology leaders to discuss trends, innovations, and the future of marketing and communications in the medtech industry. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Adam Sack, CEO of surgical robotics company, Vicaria Surgical. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks so much for having me, Julie. Excited to be here. Adam, we'd love to start off asking about our guest's backgrounds. Tell us about yours and why you went down the medical device path. So I'm a mechanical engineer by background. I went to MIT. I studied uh, mechanical engineering and primarily focused on biomedical engineering and robotics. Uh, very much crafted this, uh, my entire education and background around starting this company and this project that I've been excited about since, uh, since you know, well before I graduated from college. Uh, I was working on this problem with one of my co-founders, Dr. Barry Green, and uh, Dr. Green really walked me through all of the challenges that exist in today's uh, today's surgical robotics as well as non-robotic surgery, including open surgery, which causes a tremendous amount of injury to the patient, and and minimally invasive surgery, both robotic and non-robotic which in itself causes a tremendous amount of complexity for the surgeon. So with that background and my background and my co-founder and our CTO, Sammy Khalifa's background in robotics, we're really excited to uh, start up this project and start on this journey. Well, speaking of, tell us about the journey. Tell us about the founding story of Vicarious. So when we started this company, uh, Dr. Green, one of my co-founders, brought Sammy and, and myself all of the challenges and introduced us to all of the challenges that exist with surgery today, starting with open surgery, which has large incisions where the surgeon you know, essentially cuts the patient open, opens up their abdomen, and can operate with their own hands, but it causes tremendous injury to the patient, and minimally invasive surgery, where all that complexity is shifted from the patient to the surgeon because now the surgeon has to make small incisions and triangulate across the abdominal wall to a single point in the abdomen in order to operate. Uh, Dr. Green brought us to the operating room, let us you know, really see and understand these challenges in, in a real setting, and introduced us to some of the training programs that have been designed to really tax the surgeon and, and push the surgeon to learn as much as they can to overcome these challenges. We pretty quickly realized that, though, that there was a fundamental way from an engineering perspective that we could overcome the challenges instead of putting that all on the surgeon. And that is essentially to put the entire robot in the abdomen through one incision instead of having the surgeon triangulate from multiple incisions to one point inside of the abdomen, just put the whole robot inside and let the surgeon operate freely. But unfortunately, when we started this, there was really no robotic technology that was able to achieve the motion quality that we needed, the forces, all through an incision that's small enough to cause minimal injury to the patient. So we got started on designing a new type of robotic actuator. Uh, had a few innovations and breakthroughs, decided to start working on this project full-time, funding it out of our pockets for about 18 months, and uh, 
After that, we raised money, hired the incredible team that we have today. And uh, that's how we've been able to deliver so much. It really comes down to that initial innovation and inspiration from Dr. Green, and then the incredible team that we've had since then. Well, it sounds like you guys are working on some really interesting things, um, you know, in the robotics world. We'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what is the patient benefit to the, oh, and, and the and the physician benefit as well. But what are the benefits to the one, you know, the one single incision site? Um, we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, of course. So, you know, at the end of the day, everything that we do is in order to improve patient outcomes. And we're designing our system to be more user-friendly, more surgeon-friendly, so that the surgeon can focus their time and attention on the actual procedure rather than on the training around the tools that they're using. So at the end of the day, one small incision, it's not really that much better for the patient than three to five small incisions, as long as they're small. There are other single incision surgical robots out there today, but they all go through incisions that are 25 millimeters, two and a half centimeters or greater. And when you go past about two centimeters, you actually have to cut through the abdominal wall instead of simply separating the muscle fibers and pushing your way through. So you end up with the step function increase in complications from about 1% to about 8.4% complications from just the incision itself. So uh, it's kind of a long way to say that going in through one incision, as long as it's below about one, 1.8 or 2 centimeters, has it, it can be as good as going in through multiple small incisions for the patient directly. But the real beauty of one incision is that you're no longer triangulating across multiple incisions to get to the point where you're operating. So with most surgical robots that exist today, the surgeon actually has to do that triangulation and four degrees of freedom for each of the robotic arms all work by pivoting about the incision site. So if you can imagine you're a surgeon, you want to operate inside of the patient's abdomen. You've actually never seen the inside of that patient's abdomen before. Uh, you've seen scant preoperative imaging, and now you have to choose how your robot is designed, make incisions that essentially define the kinematics of that robot, all before you've even really seen inside of the patient's abdomen. This is why it takes so much training to use a multi-incision surgical robot. And the beauty of putting everything in through a single incision is really that it enables the surgeon to overcome this, to correct for any errors, and to be free to operate with incredible access from the inside of the abdomen all through that one incision. I love it. Well, one of my questions is, you know, there's a sort of 800-pound gorilla in the room, um, which is da Vinci. And so I'm curious, you know, I know that they have multiple incisions, but they're such a um, big name and big part of the, the robotic surgical market. I'm just wondering in general, has it helped you that you're not going in first as, you know, the only robotics company or, you know, what have the challenges been, you know, facing such a competitor that has such market share? So, uh, you know, first to touch on, on it, of, of course they do have a very, you know, what you said is absolutely correct. They have a very high uh, percentage market share of surgical robotics. 
but a very low percentage market share of total surgery or total minimally invasive surgery. So uh, only about 3.2% of procedures that are addressable with their technology are actually performed with any surgical robot today uh, worldwide. And that, that number is less than 1% of total surgical procedures are performed with any, any type of robotics. So while, while there is sort of one 800-pound gorilla, as, as you refer to them, uh, in the room, uh, that's absolutely correct. But they still have a pretty small percentage market share of total surgery. There's a ton of white space and a ton of opportunity. So our focus has been on the procedures that are not well adopted, starting with ventral hernia repair, which is still performed more than 50%, not even without robotics, but with no minimally invasive technique. Uh, even in the United States. And by focusing on procedures like that, that are performed with mostly open surgical technique and large incisions, we're able to have both a a better ethical benefit, right? We're we're able to help more patients, but also it's a better better from a competitive uh, standpoint, avoiding the 800-pound gorilla in the room and focusing on really the the white space in the, the market in the industry. Yeah. Adam, thanks for addressing that. I know that that was a, probably it would be a question on a lot of our um, listeners' minds since Da Vinci is so well known and, um, you know, in such a leader in many ways. So um, interesting to understand and hear your perspective and see where Vicarious goes with this. You know, you started out in engineering um, and now you're running a company and we'd love to hear any lessons learned um, along the way that have helped you get where you are today. <laughs> There's uh, that list is very long. And I think uh, uh, the number one, though, is hire, hire amazing people and trust those people. It's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you can only do. Uh, so much yourself. And given my background and my experience, really, my job more than anything else is to hire experienced, incredible people and and to lead the team, rather than doing things myself. And that uh, for, you know, for an engineer who loves to be hands on who you know, started with Sammy doing all the machining ourselves in in the machine shop, not only designing everything, but making everything. It was a hard lesson to learn. But at this point, uh, once you can kind of let go and really hire those amazing people and let them run, it's such a pleasure to just watch them do their job, help them and provide the resources that they need. For sure. For sure. We love watching uh, young entrepreneurs in our industry, specifically in our industry, in med tech uh, start from scratch and take ideas, work with physicians, collaborate with physicians uh, across the industry to bring these these new innovations and concepts um, to market. So uh, we, um, Julie and I, wish you so much luck, Adam, and uh, thank you, you. Know, luck to your team as well. And um, you know, just finishing up our conversation, we always have one final fun question since. You joined us here on the Morning Fix by 510K Cafe. We would love to know, what do you do for your Morning Fix? What do I do for my Morning Fix? Uh, Kirkland Signature Coffee. Is that, uh, <laughs> is that the, uh, the answer that you're looking for? Uh, the pre-ground medium roast. I uh, am somewhat religious about it. 
which to be religious about pre-ground Kirkland signature medium roast, I realize is a little bit odd, but I love it. And I love my routine. It's fabulous. We've heard some amazing responses, but um, I think, um, you know, Costco private label coffee is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Any, anybody who play, who pays homage to Costco is a, is, is a thumbs up in our book. So thank you for that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thank you. Well, thanks again, Adam. We really appreciate your time. And thank you to our listeners on the 510K Cafe. And we'll be back with more episodes soon. Thank you for having me.